listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in between retail and retail tech alike. Today, we're switching it up to bring you a little bit more of us. Yes, this episode is San's guest. It's just you and me, Casey. We have so many new podcast fans, Good Pods followers, and YouTube viewers that haven't spent that much time with us. So before the year comes to a close, it's feels like a good time for us to break away and talk shop around the three themes that we picked for this season. We're going to look back and share more about what we think about retailing today and where our heads are at for our 2024 predictions. As we approach holiday season, I know we're all feeling a bit of whiplash between business as normal, innovation initiatives, time is a ticking, and the notorious fire drills that just do not delay every single day. So it is time for retailers to plan Q1, stack some budgets, and decide how they want consumers to experience shopping in 2024 from bottom doors to the bottom line. Now, we don't normally dive into current events and news stories on the show because let's face it, we know that there's plenty of retail podcasts out there that do that and are really good at it. And Honestly, we listen to them ourselves, but there's just so much going on, uh, you know, just like you said, Casey. So, so we're going to call this episode Unlocking Retail, part one, well, part one, because you just know that we're going to be back on the mic doing this many times over and over again. But the mission is really to talk about the technology that's going to unlock business potential for retailers and consumers, honestly, uh, in that retail experience. So there's just so much to talk about. Uh, plus... We have been hearing great feedback on our new Blade to Greatness mini-series that we've been sharing the last few episodes. So we thought this is a good time to bring back a segment from last season uh, and highlight a topic that if you're a fan of the show, you know I have strong feelings about. Okay, and now it's time to bring back a fan favorite segment on the show, Retail Razor Data Blades, where we talk real world numbers and slice through measurable consumer insights based on research at the point of sale. And bringing us that slicing and dicing of data is Georgina Nelson, CEO of TrueRating. TrueRating is helping retailers hear directly from validated shoppers daily and recently hit a major milestone of half a billion responses. Retailers using TrueRating average an 80% response rate on questions asked. And this is made possible by asking a single rotating question directly on the POS pin pad, making it a seamless part of the shopper's checkout experience. TrueRating also works with their retail partners to develop consumer insights reports by running questions on an industry topic or theme. These anonymous responses are linked to metrics such as basket size and repeat visits to produce industry-changing insights just like the ones Regina is going to share with us today. Welcome, Georgina. Thank you both. It's great to be here today. So today, Retail Razor Data Blades topic is all about consumer sentiment towards self-checkout. Georgina, tell us more. So, imagine you've spent a reasonable amount of time picking out your perfect item, navigating through the aisles, and finally arriving at the checkout counter. And that's when the magic or the mayhem happens. And it's really in those last few moments of that shopping experience that can 
yeah, make or break your view. So while checking out your options in many retailers now are uh, self-checkout or cashier. So which do you choose and why? And at True Rating, that's what we really wanted to get under the skin of. And that question sparked our research on customer sentiment towards self-checkout. So we asked, what do you like best about self-checkout? 65% of the shoppers answered less wait time. 20% that they can check the prices. And 15% answered that they can scan at their own pace. It sounds like a no-brainer, but the biggest perk that consumers really value when it comes to self-checkout is, is the speed and that convenience. It's about that swift and seamless transaction and that final sprint to the finish line. So it's vital that retailers really pull out all the stops to actually ensure that they're delivering on that. And that this point of the consumer journey is quick and smooth. Wow. Well, this is a really interesting one to me because I have to say, if I were the consumer answering the question, I probably would have looked for the choice that says nothing really. <laughs> because I'm not personally a fan of most self-checkout systems. But it's interesting that you, you found that speed was the number one choice because that's probably my complaint about sure. self-checkout systems that don't work well. It's because they didn't let <laughs> me get through checkout faster because something went wrong. And I, somehow I always seem to have the ability to find that one item in the store that as soon as you get to the self-checkout, this just has no way to scan. It doesn't work. And until you get someone to come by and reset the system or take something to it, it will not let you check out. And of course, that's the opposite of speed and convenience, right? Yeah, very true. Yeah. I mean, I'm never a big proponent of transferring work from paid employees to unpaid customers or taking a smile away when I had a chance to to make somebody smile before they walk out the door. But this is nothing new. It's never going to go away. It's really about how we adapt self-checkout into our customer journey and our customer experience. Self-checkout dates all the way back to the Piggly Wiggly with the self-serve, first self-service supermarket back in the 1900s. So however we look at it, it's been here. It's going to stay. But really understanding how customers are using it and how brands can adjust, I think, is a really key point into really asking customers what they think about it. Are they enjoying it? Do they like it? A lot of stores I've heard are almost, I think I, I heard some type of stat that like 55% of all sales last year went through a self-checkout. That's so, a big number. This is a big number. It wasn't me. That <laughs> fast, <laughs> <laughs> well, so <laughs> I, I'm also curious about the, the, the second number, Georgina, you gave the 20% that said they could check prices. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to think if, if I'm the retailer and I'm hearing you report these insights back to them, is that making me think that maybe I need to have that ability to check prices at maybe at scattered throughout the store? To me, my, my best example is Target, right? Target has all these checks, uh, price check stations all over the store where you can just go and scan something if all you need to know is check the price. I mean, that's one fifth of your responses are, are saying, I just, I, I like to, I could check the prices first. So I assume that means if I'm one of those shoppers and I didn't know the price and realize it was going to be, maybe I decided not to buy that item when I got to the self-checkout. And I suppose from a mentality pr perspective, that probably makes that customer feel better. They can just put it aside and then, then having had to have done that with the cashier mm -hmm. and then felt like they're telling the cashier, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to buy that. Can you not 
put not uh, <laughs> include that in my purchase, it's a little more awkward that way. So I could see how that would be an appeal. But I'm curious, do you, do you, do you think retailers would use that kind of information and then say, oh, maybe I need to do something else in the store now that I know 20% of my customers want this information? Yeah, we've definitely, it's the time of experimentation, I think, for a lot of retailers, like innovation is, is on an all-time high. And with, especially with true rating, we can do A-B tests, running something new out in store A, keeping store B constant mm-hmm. and seeing how that impacts customer experience, how much they, they pay and how often they return. And when we have shared some of this self-checkout research, some of it's pretty, can be pretty damning. Customer experience can plummet often. And so it's really to a retailer, okay, so when we, when we know that that's a risk, what can we do to try and support the customer at that last point in the journey and make it a better experience? So we've worked with retailers testing out assisted self-checkout. So employing someone with the yeah, the mandate to stand at those banks, smile, make yeah. sure consumers can find that barcode that they know how to scan. And uh, yeah, and that's been really beneficial and they've seen the uptick in customer experience down to that. That A-B testing, I can see very valuable. I have a feeling that we are going to see more advertisements at self-checkout in the near future. It'll be much more common that we're going to have to watch an ad before we can swipe our card. Mm-hmm. And I think your rating will be providing some critical data on that sentiment change. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot wait to feed back <laughs> with your views on that. Yeah. I hope every single retailer that is planning on putting ads on those screens is already a true rating customer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And if not, there's still time. Call me. There is still time. (laughs) (laughs) This is great, Georgina. Thank you so much for joining us today's Retail Razor Data Blades. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to the next We do have strong feelings. (laughs) Oh, yes. As I'm sure everyone now knows. Self-checkout. Everyone's favorite topic. We either love it or hate it. But moving into the gray area, let's check in with the reality of digital shopping today. So may come as no shock to listeners that our, in our view, digital transformation is not automatically synonymous with e-commerce. And a prime example is digital checkout, things like smart shelves, uh, maybe other emerging sales channels. We've talked about social commerce a lot on the show. We've talked about video commerce and anything around customer communication. And let's not forget about sales staff tools. And what else is new? Well, we've had recent episodes on spatial computing and a new phrase I'm going to start using a lot, spatial commerce. Um, and, and I'm going to paint a picture for you, Casey, on this one. And you tell me what you think. Picture the spatial computing that we talked about with Oculus was, uh, and that Apple introduced with their Vision Pro. That was all about how you can use the space in front of you in this in, in three dimensions to do things that we're used to doing in two dimensions on a screen. Uh, so I'm thinking a bit further, and, and how would you envision spatial commerce in that scenario? I'm thinking put this together with what we talked about in video commerce last episode with Vincent Yang from Firework about. Your store associates being the live streamer for you, but now it's not just a live streamer video on your e-commerce site. Now it's in this 3D spatial area in front of you. So it's almost now where this technology is going to let me, uh, as I'm wearing the virtual gear for this, I can 
interact in an immersive way with that store associate now and see the product. I'm watching them hold it up, talk about it, rotate it around. Uh, I mean, I think this could be pretty interesting. So I, I think at the time we were all thinking, what's the commerce play going to be? But now that we had the conversation with Firework, I'm thinking, well, that's the answer, right? It's we're going to put these things together and I can get that experience when I'm physically in the store virtually in three dimensions now with the spatial computing. Well, somebody's going to put it together. <laughs> I have no doubt someone is going to do this. It's coming. Uh, it will be there. Yes. You know, I've always enjoyed. I mean, I want somebody to be able to pull for me. I want to be able to go ahead and do a preview, get my polls yeah. together, do some little chit chatting with my sales associate and then show up to a, my appointment in store. And mm -hmm. we had like this you know, virtual moment to, right. you know, make sure the right stuff is waiting for me when I get there with my little glass of bubble. Yeah, it, it's to me, it's a higher <laughs> level of a one-on-one -on -one virtual clientele. Yeah, yeah. So um, these things have definitely really created areas that can be operationalized. Like we've had these dreams. Right. These dreams are nothing right. new. I think everybody still wants Elle's Closet. I mean, I think I mean, how many decades has that on? I mean, everybody still talks about Al's closet. I think it's going to be doable here. Yeah. All the players have arrived. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't listened to episode two this season where we had Neil Redding had a product and Aki Labs was on talking about how they're implementing spatial computing for retailers. Our good friend Jeff Roster on that one raised the point that Apple has legitimized this now with the yeah. announcing the Vision Pro headset. So we know it's going to be real, just the fact that they got into it. And even though they, I guess they didn't really demo commerce applications in that product launch, you just know somebody's working on it. Uh, so you know, we're, we're going to be, I'm sure we're going to be talking with Neil soon in an upcoming episode just to see where they're at and what advances they've made since they were last on. I think that's going to be interesting. And it's not too far off into the future. Like these things are happening right now. Brands are already experimenting. Brands are, are have already pushed experiences to production. Consumers are experiencing it. They're getting traction. It just may not be on the cover of WWD or BOF or, right. or right. Forbes. I mean, goodness gracious. When it comes to retail tech, a lot of these things aren't hitting headlines because they're still playing. You know, these, uh, yeah. Yeah. These opportunities are are real and I think it's just going to be about scaling. So I think it's it's really exciting yeah. the matterless domains where virtual real estate can create hundreds of new sales channels uh independent from any commerce platform or a brick and mortar location being digital doesn't necessarily have to be an e-commerce platform and I think that it's becoming more and more apparent that you just need to have that digital order management system. That's right. Because data is becoming connected without a domain. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and I think too, let, let's talk about some of the other underlying technologies that, that you need. So as we move these things into a, a 3D virtual space. We had that great conversation last season with, with Ashley Crowder of Ventana. I think that was episode 11, yep. where we, we, we learned about what, what she's doing to help retailers and brands create those 3D models in, in a way that's reusable right across platforms. I, I think that's been one of those missing 
component. So it's one thing to have the platform, which it in a way is that's what Apple's bringing right to the, to the equation here is a, a new platform for you to do this. You've got folks like Neil and Aki Labs giving you the tools to create the commerce experience for that. And then you've got underlying technologies like what Ventana does to give you know the product level building blocks to take advantage of it that go into it. And then when you think of, I'm going to come back to, because I love the execution idea on this, once again, back to those store teams, right? We have people live streaming today. We, we've talked with Firework about video commerce strategies and how those could very well be your best live streamer. You don't need to rely on influencers like, like the way live streaming is taken off in China. You can do it. There's a different way to do that that probably makes more sense here. And I'm just thinking once you layer in these spatial technologies, you're going to make that a much more immersive experience for the consumer. 100%. And the, the opportunity to redistribute and monetize off of the same content across multiple channels, but still being able to connect all of your products to it in different different media plays. Yeah. Being able to have those 3D images, the products and the content, it can go on 30 different channels, same content. Right. And, and speaking of channels, I and mean, one of my favorite topics, is, as you know, is retail media networks. And those just keep on, they just keep on making the charge, right, as the year goes on. And well, I guess this time last year, we were all talking about how many more retailers can introduce retail media networks. I think now the conversation is where, where does the medium expand? So I think we're, we finally see it moving in store. So this isn't just an e-commerce or a marketplace play anymore retail media is moving in into store. And I suppose it's it's a little funny in that you know, it's not like this is a new idea, right? To put media in physical form in store. You know, and let's face it, in growth, this has been going on since the beginning of grocery with CPG brands to promote end caps and, and everything. And it's no different in, in department stores and other retailers. But I think the, the new super interesting thing here is how in one bundled stroke as a retail media network, you're offering the brand not just placement and and in the marketplace online but now it ties into what you're doing in store whether it's screens in store whether it's physical medium in store it's just lots of different opportunities and then the new big unlock that i see happening here uh, and hopefully i think in an upcoming episode we'll be talking to andrew lipsmith about this who's our favorite retail media expert uh it's tying in connected TV platforms and streaming services. So, you know, look at what Hulu and Netflix and, and, and Roku and all these guys are doing. They want to connect with the retail media networks and that first party shopper data to now offer brands almost this end-to-end -end digital journey to, and it's not about tracking the customer. It's about putting yourself, your product in front of those customers wherever they're going uh, so that by the time they get to the store, right back to what you said earlier, right? You want to get to the store and have that really cool one-on-one -on -one experience with the store associate and maybe a We're glass of time. Yeah, exactly. I, I just got off the phone with a company, a founder, a group of founders yesterday, literally talking about interactive ads, almost yeah. kind of like the, um, there you go. A Google kind of like, I can't think of it. If anybody's noticed, I'm like, not the ad girl. I'm like Anthony at I'm all about retention and sales. So I don't even know what some of these things are called because I just it's not in my day to day. It's kind of like your Google ads, but essentially they're going on to stream streaming services. Yeah. And the demo that I saw of their product 
I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is much more interesting because I don't know if you've seen who approves these commercials on Hulu and Prime. (laughs) It's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. I'm like, your little PowerPoint doesn't even fit the screen. I've seen some of those. Yeah, there's there's no the call to action is ridiculous. Like I'm not your call to action is ridiculous. I'm not clicking that. I'm not lifting up my, I'm not leaning forward and picking up my remote. Right. And for this, you're interrupting me and you're making me like wonder who's in charge of marketing because it's, it's terrible. So there is a huge opportunity for retail media. Yeah. Take over. And and I'm I'm just like, you know what you're describing that reminds me that the, we don't often talk about the agency opportunity in retail media. Yeah. So what what have we seen so far? You have all these disconnected outlets now that as an advertiser, I can choose from. I, I don't want to have to put a hundred different placements in and manage this month to month, right? That's a nightmare. So there is definitely an agency opportunity there. And I'm waiting to see where this will play out, where there's going to be, I don't want to use the word aggregator because you're not really aggregating advertising here, but it's, I suppose it's very much like what Google did putting the display ad network together. where you got. Ads. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it's, Part of, that's what yeah, I was that's, I know, that's the word you were looking for, the display ads. Uh, except that now we're, we're just not talking about online, right? It's not just e-commerce related. This is display ads everywhere and, and connected TV. I mean, who's still subscribing to cable? So we know everybody's going to streaming and all the streaming services. And I, I always wonder if consumers think about this. But I mean, pretty much everything you do in that streaming app is tracked and measured. You, there is nothing you're doing in there that isn't measurable in the same way that it is on any e-commerce site you shop at. So the streamer's ability to offer something interesting to brands. Uh, and if you can imagine, right, you're watching, and there's some simplistic versions of this, right? So we've all read the articles about how Netflix is trying to productize a lot of their shows with merchandising uh, as an extra revenue source. That's not really what I'm talking about here, although that's another great So well, that's like where my head's at, right? Yeah, that's what like you were thinking. Droppable product yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, get the product over that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pick like, you know, three space, major but... retailers and they connect in to say Hulu. And now you've got brands who are advertising on the marketplace of those three retailers for the same products that now there is an ad that shows up in your favorite Hulu show. But from a data point of view, right, they can connect all of this now and get that back to the brand. So they know if the, this advertising is working and let's face it, that's a much better way of measuring and tracking the effectiveness of that campaign than just buying ad time on broadcast TV. Well, frankly, Ricardo, with cookies being starting to be depreciated, you won. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you've got, they've got, everybody's got to diversify, right? End of the day, Google's not making money off of affiliate marketing. So if you've got all these influencers and brand ambassadors and your sales associates using a Band-Aid to track conversion or track sales using cookies. Yeah. A lot of that has got to be diversified, right? Big proponent of like- right. Which is really what all these platforms are, are about at the end of the day, right? It's diversifying both for the retailers and brands yep. to be able to still reach consumers knowing that the, those old channels they had are going to be less and less effective. And when we went from maybe three channels that matter and they're going to go to 10, that matters. So it is going to be more work to manage it. There's a lot more data involved now. So I think I'm going to go back to one of our other predictions at the beginning of this year, where we talked about customer data platforms, right? CDPs, because that's another big unlock 
for retailers and brands right. is you if you don't have a CDP today, you're already behind. Let's let's put that statement out there. Forty three percent of brands have a fully deployed customer data platform, and I'm going to challenge that because mm-hmm. I have a customer data platform, and most people I speak to every single day have no idea what it is. Don't have it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Other exactly. than they know that they need one. And right. like 73% of companies have reported this year that the CDP will be critical to their customer experience efforts. But understanding all the layers of what it actually does and how it works and connects all of these data points, that's like a whole nother conversation. Yeah. So I hope that anybody that does not have a customer data platform today, if that is, is your one yeah. takeaway to spend the weekend. Yeah, your, your first big unlock from listening to us today is get out there and start evaluating CDPs because you're going to need that. It's your, going to be your first step. Everything we just said around retail media, and we spent a lot of time talking about it for a reason, because it's a big deal, right? And, and you said it, right? Cookies really going away. This is going to be your, your next big unlock for understanding your customers and reaching them in a measurable way. But without the CDP, you're going to lose all the tracking and that, and you're, you're not going to have good customer profiles. You're not going to know who you're reaching. So when you, your marketing people start putting together those ad campaigns, you're not going to know who you're really targeting if you don't have a, a, a solid CDP in place. So that, that's yeah, like your first big unlock on, that you're going to get working on. Brands have been relying on their, on marketing platforms, in my opinion, a bit too much for their direct to consumer business because all the data is in the marketing platforms. Yeah. All the KPIs are over right. there. Stop giving all your data to Facebook. It's not comparable. I love that word, but you know, I'll say it again. Yeah. Comp-able. Be able to say like this year versus last year on a 454 calendar. Google doesn't run on a 454 calendar. People are still hanging in this stuff. Um, to really be able to kind of like get all these eggs that are in this advertising basket It's a great opportunity for Holiday to really be thinking about how much customers engaged, purchased, interacted with the brand. Where's the data? Yeah. That you have come January. And if you didn't capture that internally in some aspect, it's um, it's going to be a whole new world here when it really comes to tracking these conversions and right. cross channel targeting. Right. Yep. That, and that's probably one of those things I'm, I'm really looking forward to NRF and January to see what new things are going to come up related to helping everybody with this because I think we just concluded that the, we're talking about unlocking retail. Right. What, what's the the really big unlock right now? What's all around customer data? Yeah. So that means you. You got to have a customer data platform to help you manage it all. It all ties back into retail media, whether you're a retailer that has a retail media network or whether you're a brand working with retail media networks, that unlock is already happening. Yeah. Uh, but the next big steps are, are in-store media and connected TV. Those are the next two unlocks coming for retail media. That's just going to make it grow even bigger. Uh, and, and notice how n- we didn't even say e-commerce and all of those things because that's already there, right? So that's it's everything that's going beyond e-commerce now, but still yeah, digital you know, in some way, in a lot of ways. We think about so much retail coming from the luxury retail perspective. Everything I think about is global. I have mm-hmm. a customer that could be in three, like a customer's customer that could be in three countries. Right. 
in 48 hours. Everything I think about is global and they have 16 e-commerce stores for one brand, right? So like I never think of e-commerce as like the thing that everything puts into you. But here in the US, like we are so focused on so much more mass merchants. They don't have a global footprint. So it is one e-commerce platform. (laughs) And all the things kind of plug in there. It's just not the case going forward. Um, The US market can only handle so much more penetration. A lot more people are going international. TV and retail media is an amazing global expansion opportunity. And so I think everybody just needs to think a little bit bigger. Yeah. And pull you got to think about all these different unlocks that we were mentioning here to to grow the business beyond e-commerce. I mean, it's great that we keep, we can debate and and we're not going to have this debate on the show because everybody else is doing it. But, you know, the the big debate of how is e-commerce growth reverted back to the mean pre-pandemic? And I'm just going to suggest, does it really matter? I I think it doesn't at this point. The fact is, yes, e-commerce is always going to grow. That's not something to be worried about. It's just something that's going to happen. And the real question is, you know, what else are you doing beyond that? And that's why we're talking about these unlocks around customer data and retail media. And and of course, I think maybe I'll I'll call it the long-term unlock that we're talking about is that spatial commerce, right? In 3D space and what you can do there. And you've got to start working on the foundation for that now. Connected Um, commerce, you know, and getting that connectivity across multiple Right. Of devices or touch and points. What about and cars? Right, we had that great conversation with uh, about Mavi yeah. IO with Cynthia Holland yeah. and a couple episodes back uh, on in car commerce. So, and that's already here too. So, we've got car new cars coming out with more and more capabilities. And guess what? That ties back into the retail media discussion too. Uh, so, it's all connected in that sense. Um, and the really amazing thing when we're talking about unlocks is that we didn't even talk about generative AI yet on this show. We haven't. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take a prediction between you you and I right now that the theme for NRF will end up being, because every single NRF, they've stolen my word. <laughs> right? And everything keeps moving so fast that I'm now at on-demand. On-demand commerce, on-demand personalization, on-demand data. I'm going to predict there's going to be a theme with on-demand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it's going to be AI related too. So this is all super exciting. I mean, again, I wouldn't want to be at any other point in the retail environment than to be playing in this space right now. I think we have the most exciting time. It's been slow moving. <laughs> um, technology and consumers are really driving speed right now. Consumers are driving the speed and I love to see it disregarding generative AI. (laughs) This is all very positively exciting and potentially terrifying. Note, we will leave it there. I've been very, I've been disappointed all week seeing generative AI with New York Fashion Week and falling in love with clothes that do not exist. So we're not going to Hope springs eternal. (laughs) But Ricardo, this discussion is a wrap and it was really nice for us to just share our conversations with, we usually have 30 minutes before recording and 30 minutes after. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's why, And that's why we call this one Unlocking Retail Part One. Mm-hmm. 
So if you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player and watch us on YouTube so you don't miss a minute. If you want to know more about what we talked about today, take a look at the show notes for handy links and more deets. If you are not listening on Good Pods, give them a spin. Join the podcast community to follow our show. We recently hit the top of the charts for indie management and marketing podcast charts. And we love our Good Pods fans. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. And if you'd like to connect with us and share your feedback, follow us and the show on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor, or find us on LinkedIn. And if you want even more from us, be sure and subscribe to our Substack newsletter that includes full episode transcripts and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is The Retail Razor Show.